This past winter was my first year back skiing since I was six years old. And as I look back at the difference between when I was six years old and skiing as a 25-year-old, I realize that there's a difference between your risk assessment. <laughs> It's really true. Six-year-old Faith was flying down the slopes. I was too good for snow school. You can ask my parents. I did not want to be there. But 25-year-old Faith was skiing with much more care for my bones, and it was a good thing that I did that. So my friends and I, we decided to do one last, last slope for the day. So we get to the top, and if you've been skiing before, you realize that Once hundreds of people have gone skiing on that one route, it changes the conditions. They vary drastically. And it was concerning when we began to see people stop at the beginning of the slope and they look down. I'm like, oh no, what happened to this intermediate slope? So we get there and we look down and there's many moguls on this intermediate slope, which means it's going to take more skill, it's going to take more focus, all more than what I had in that moment. So I've never seen so many skiers laid out on this mogul hill. <laughs> And my one friend, he goes down, he makes it down slowly but surely. My one friend's like, see, I'm going. She wipes out right in front of me, and there's me, not feeling any more confident seeing them go, looking down, feeling stuck, wondering if I could move into the lodge at the top of the hill, or if the ski lift can bring me back down. But I felt stuck looking down at these mini mogul hills. Life can feel a lot like looking down at a mountain full of mini moguls. We know what we have to do, but we feel stuck and fear creep in. If we're not careful, Fear can control us and stop us from doing the things that God has prepared for us. Feeling fear and anxiety, that's a natural part of our lives. God created us to have this innate ability to assess risk. You know, it helps us make wise choices. But even too much of a good thing can be hurtful. We cannot allow our fear to paralyze us, stopping us from the goodness that God has for us that lies ahead of us, that lies outside of our comfort zone. Now, Paul from the New Testament, he had every right to allow fear to control him and to stop him because he, his life was threatened, it was jailed, persecuted, yet he encouraged Timothy and the church in their calling, to share the good news of Jesus. And sharing the good news of Jesus, it, it meant putting your life on the line. And he encourages them with this from 2 Timothy 1.7. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. You know, God gives us what we need to do the hard things in life. He gives us a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. And Paul, he encouraged the believers that because of Jesus, death has no power over us. Because our trust is not in this world 
or ourselves, it is in Jesus who conquered death by raising to life on the third day. The amazing hope that we have is this. We get to do brave things with God. When Moses had died, Joshua was appointed to be the next leader to lead God's people into the promised land. A massive task. You could just imagine the fear that he must have felt. And this is how God encourages him in Joshua 1.9. This is what God says to him. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be afraid does not mean that we cannot feel the emotion of fear. What it means is that we will not allow fear to control us, to stop us from doing the brave things that we get to do with God. We can also think about Jesus when he was talking to his disciples. He was risen then, and he was about to physically be leaving them. He encourages them with these words as he was about to leave them. It says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These disciples must have felt fear, but they knew that they could not allow fear to control them. And the knowledge that God was with them was what they needed to encourage them that they can do these brave things. And this, it's not only good news for the disciples, it's good news for us, me and you, because we get to do brave things with God through the power of the Holy Spirit. I will be with you. This is supposed to comfort us. It's supposed to give us the ability to do brave things, to live brave lives, because we are not living this life alone. We get to live it with God. Jesus came to be God with us, and he still is God with us. It's it's like the dad who walks you to the bus stop on the first day of school. Or it's like the friend who goes with you to talk to that new person. Or the mom who encourages you before you're going to play that sport. God desires to show us that we get to do brave things with him. Now, no person in this room is the same. You know, one thing that's brave in my mind is not brave in your mind. The thing that's brave to the adult might not be the thing that's brave to the child. But we all can think about that thing that we need to be brave in. We all know that mountain of moguls that we're looking down on. You know, there might be a hard conversation that needs to be had, boundaries that need to be set, jobs that need to be pursued, people we need to introduce ourselves to, service opportunities that we need to actually start moving towards, joining a team, starting to work in the kids' room with me. (laughs) All really brave things that God could be calling you to. But in reality, there is in your mind, I'm sure, a mountain of moguls that you're looking down upon. And today we're going to look at how we can do these brave things with God. And the first thing is that being brave, it starts in the brain. Being brave, it starts in the brain. Before you take action, your thought, your 
brain is processing all different thoughts on, okay, how am I going to do this brave thing? The University of Southern California says that we have 48.6 thoughts per minute, which means we have 70,000 thoughts per day. The brain is very, very important when it comes to our thought lives. And when we're aiming to do something brave and courageous, we need to take inventory of our thoughts. We need to ask ourselves, are these thoughts helpful or, or hurtful? Are they true or untrue? We need to think about the emotions that are arising as we think about doing these brave things. What fear am I allowing to control my actions or lack thereof? What thoughts or thought processes get in the way of this brave thing? And for me, I feel like I don't do brave things because I overthink the task. I'm afraid of what the outcomes will be. And there's a false narrative that I create in my brain. Um, which I think can connect to the fear of failure. A lot of you guys might relate to that, or maybe it's another reason. We get to put our faith, though, in Jesus. You know, before our life following Jesus, we were doing it ourselves. We were depending on others. We get to depend on the God of creation who loves us and cares for us and is with us. In the ark, all month long, we've actually been talking about trust, and this verse from Proverbs 3.5 has been the one we've been focusing on. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. And this proverb, it encourages us that our, we will not allow our understanding in life to be our crutch. Being brave, it starts in the brain because we have to realize that now we have Jesus to rely on. This week, I encourage you, take inventory of what is going on inside of your brain when it comes to thinking about the brave thing you know that God is calling you to. You know, what could be the best outcome? What could be the worst outcome? And how does knowing that Jesus is with me in it makes me take a step forward? Think about how that changes, knowing that God is with you. So recap, being brave, it starts in the brain. Starts in the brain. The second part is that being brave, it takes practice. Um, I love National Geographic, and Jimmy Chin, a producer for National Geographic, has a new docuseries called The Edge of the Unknown, where he films professional athletes in their extreme sports, which is absolutely incredible. And this here is Alex Honnold. He climbed El Capitan in California, which was 2,900 feet tall, without any ropes at all, in three hours and 56 minutes. Um, here's a photo of him. Take a look. In insane. Don't try that at home, please. <laughs> but the thing about Alex Honnold, and in this film, Edge of the Unknown, it actually films Alex's preparation before going to this route. He knew that it would take practice. And you can go and check out the trailer because he says something I think very profound and something that we can actually take a piece from. And he says this, the correct way to manage fear is to gradually broaden your comfort zone. 
the correct way to manage fear is to gradually broaden your comfort zone. And this truly makes sense when it comes to us being brave, because being brave, it takes practice. You don't allow your fear to stop you from doing brave things, but you acclimate yourself to doing these things while still feeling that fear. You give things a go. You take steps in the right directions. You build your muscles to get out of your comfort zone. And there are plenty of daily tasks that we do that are practicing getting out of our comfort zone. And I think about driving. You know, you start by driving in a parking lot. Then you go and you drive on a side road. Then you go to one with stoplights. After that, you work up the courage to go onto the highway. And the best part about, you know, doing these things like practicing driving is there's a person in the driver's, the passenger seat with you holding on to that bar that's over here, <laughs> making sure that when you stop short, you're holding on to it. When you go around that curve really fast, they're holding on to it, but they're there. They're giving you tips, they're talking to you. And I think this is a great picture of how God decides to do brave things with us. And it doesn't just go right onto the highway. We start with God in that parking lot. We go with God on that one with the stoplights and then we merge onto that highway. And then we go a little fast sometimes. <laughs> but God is there. He's there. He's with us. Yeah, in, in talking about living discipline, the writer of Hebrews says this in Hebrews 12:11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. It's the same thing with living disciplined in being brave. It takes steps. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. But we can practice being brave. Uh, one thing that I always recommend for my small group is this book called Atomic Habits by James Clear. And it's all about making small changes in your life to start a habit into your life. Highly recommend that. Or if brave is a topic that you see is really what God is calling you to, I recommend 100 Days of Brave by Annie F. Downs. Doing something, making a plan to practice being brave will lead you to doing brave things with God. The last thing that we're going to cover today is this. Brave people make more brave people. You know, yawning is contagious. If I yawn, some of you might yawn too out in the audience. It's contagious. If I, if someone's on their phone at a party, there's going to be more people on their phone at a party. Think about your actions lead to other people making similar actions. You know, kids are the perfect example of this. They want to do what their parents are doing. They want to do what their siblings are doing. For me, I know it was like, oh, my brother is able to do musicals. I can do musicals too. He could be brave on the stage. I can be brave on that stage also. We copy the habits of others. We need to be, if we want to be brave, 
we need to be around other brave people. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another along, on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. And in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We must make a habit of being around brave people, to be here in church around other people who are doing brave things. Because when we see other people do brave things, we are more likely to do the brave things that God has called us to also. As we come to a close, I would like us to close our eyes. Imagine that you are on the top of the mountain that I was on, looking down at all of the moguls. Imagine I'm standing next to you. And remember that being brave, it starts in the brain. Take an inventory of what brave thing you are looking down upon. The moguls that you're about to go down. Secondly, think about how you will pursue this brave thing this week because being brave, it takes practice. And lastly, picture the people who are in this room next to you staring down at this mogul hill. See me start to go down the mogul hill. See the person you brought here going down the mogul hill. And remember that brave people, they make more brave people. And let's pray. God, I thank you so much that you have called us to be brave, that you are with us as we do these brave things. God, I pray that we would take a step forward in what you're calling to us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.